Formula One returns to Imola this weekend. Imola? Imola? Leviosa? Leviosa? Well, however you say it, Imola is back on the F1 calendar this weekend for the first of multiple sprint races this year in the Formula One season. I've seen a lot of critique online regarding this track being boring and more about obsessive Ferrari fandom than anything. Well, I figure let's take a step back and see this circuit's history for what it actually is. While tire strategies and car setups are yet to be determined, let's leave that for the experts for now and your Twitter timeline. Let's change it up here on the DRS Zone podcast. Let's take a look back at this historic circuit. And for the record, let's talk about some records here as well. First record being the lap record set by Lewis Hamilton in 2020 with a 115.484, which will likely be broken this weekend. What is up, everybody? It is your host, RJ. You are listening to the DRS Zone, aka Daily Racing Stories different type of show today for you. It's a new series I actually want to start up called hypothetical drumroll here daily racing stories. This is something more or less a too long didn't read version. This is the you got to talk fast. My bladder's about to explode. This is the your teacher's about to let you outside for recess and the one kid in class raises their hand. So it's going to feel like a really long time, but it's only going to be a little bit. So let's start up and spark up this new series. That was not meant to be suggestive, I promise here. (laughs) But uh, I am in the healthcare field, so I cannot be doing that to say the least. Anyways, let's get back to regular scheduled programming. Trying to make the show go so fast, my mouth was not... I am chilling with these lo-fi beats in the background. I never want to make the show more intense than it needs to be, and I feel like the beats add a uh, ambiance is not the right word, but just kind of chill vibe, you know? Like this is a, I got 20 minutes to, to kick it and listen to Rhett, RJ on this podcast, and I'm chilling, you know? We're all racing to get somewhere in life, racing from work, racing to the TV to watch Formula One, racing to get ahead in our careers, anything, you know. Let's make this podcast a little chill. Let's let's speed it up and slow it down here, okay? So, this circuit, Imola, was originally not named Imola. Now it is, but it's actually the formal name is Autodromo Internazionale Enzo Edino Ferrari. Butchered that, I'm sure. Ferrari probably gave it away. But hey, I'm an American learning a European sport. Can you hate me? Here we go. The circuit is named after Ferrari's late founder, Enzo Ferrari, and his son, Alfredo, a.k.a. Dino Ferrari. He unfortunately passed away in 1956 at the age of 24. Before Enzo's death, it was called Autodromo Dino Ferrari. Imola is located about 25 miles east of Bologna, Italy. Again, probably butchered it. Don't hate me. In school, we were taught, you know, Italy looks like a boot. Okay. Now imagine this boot is winding up. So if you're looking at the at the boot from a sideways view, it's rotated about 45 degrees to the right, 
aka counterclockwise. Okay, so it's right at that calf section right there. If anyone's curious, you don't got Google Maps, you're probably listening on your phone. I can imagine just do a quick Google search. Sorry. Anyways, just trying to be good here. But um, anyways, back to it. It's actually one of the first international circuits to run in an anti-clockwise direction, which is interesting. And to be honest, what else is interesting with the circuit? It's pretty much soaked up in triumph and tragedy. So let's start with the good stuff, the triumph. The most wins by a driver ever is Michael Schumacher with seven. The most wins as constructors is a two-way tie, Williams and Ferrari. And I'm doubting Latifi, if you follow Formula One, is gonna be taking a podium this weekend. Albon in the points again, sure. Tire management, let's see if he can do it twice if the circuit is even one of those that's gonna really have that strategy enacted, but you never know. And so Williams has eight and Ferrari has eight. So I'm gonna guess Ferrari may have the better chance to, to get the most constructors wins ever here. But let's take a look who won the first race here. Well, the first unofficial race here was in 1963 when Jim Clark won a non-championship event with Lotus. Fast forward more than a few years. In 1979, Nikki Lauda won the next non-championship race here. And in 1980, it became an official, legit host. The Italian GP before this was hosted in Monza. And for the first time ever, um, it was eventually moved to where we obviously have it now in Imola here, okay? So, moves, all right. This race was won by Nelson Piquet. And the event was such a success that in 1981, Italy was now hosting two races a season. So Booster Monza, now we're hosting two races a season. Right around that time, what other country in the world ended up having three races? The US, just gonna throw it out there. First country ever to do that. We're about to do it again. I'm excited. Um, too long, didn't read ver view my versions, <laughs> versions, my views of this. Dilution is not the solution. America, we can get it right. Let's get it right. And I'm excited for those races. Anyways, so drama starting off early in the circuit. In 1982, Peroni and Villeneuve actually battled it out. Okay, for Team Rari here. Peroni actually ignored team orders. He's a Frenchman. And took victory to which Villeneuve would not forgive him. Ironically enough, and tragically enough, day later at the German GP, Peroni tried passing Derek Daly's Williams with his Ferrari 126C2, and it smashed in the to the back of Elaine Prost's invisible Renault. Unfortunately, Peroni ended up with multiple fractures in both of his legs and never raced again in Formula One. So if you're looking for some bad Formula One juju, this race can do it amongst teammates. Just throwing it out there. Anyways, a few years later in 1985, Senna was close to getting back-to-back -back wins after his first win ever at the Portugal Grand Prix. He ends up losing, unfortunately, because he runs out of fuel. Two, Elaine Prost. And Prost ends up getting disqualified himself because his car was underweight. Unreal. Could you imagine that today? In 1989, Senna and Prost battled once again. 
this time battling as their McLarens dominated the season like none before in Formula 1. These cars were literally running away with the championship that season. There was no one else there. And these two guys are going at it. And this might have been the true turning point in their relationship if you know anything about their relationship. This is, you know, in some ways as an American fan drawing drawing some relevancy, this is kind of Kobe in, in Shaq with the Lakers in a way. And that might be an overstatement, but that's the closest thing as an American fan can really draw to this in some ways. Granted, the sports are different, the eras are different, the terms are different, but just bear with me here. Well, anyways, these two battle again. And per a little bit of research, especially after the race, if you listen to the interviews, I'm not going to quote anything like that. Don't want to risk the copyright. But for some research, the two essentially had a non-aggression pact, which entailed whoever led after the first corner of the race to not be challenged by the other the rest of the race. So, aka, you're Danny, you're Danny Ricardo in it. You're licking the stamp. You're sending it into the first corner. Hold my beer. Watch this. Full send. And Senna did full send it in 1989. He led after the first corner. However, as the race went on, it eventually gets red flagged. And Prost, with this agreement, essentially thought that a restart to the race meant a restart on their agreement. Second time around is the charm, right? Teammates, your best friend and your worst enemy in some ways. And Senna thought the first start of the race was pretty much the one that mattered. So Senna falls back to Prost after the restart and eventually battles back. And on the turn, the rundown to the Tosa hairpin, Senna gets alongside and he essentially outbreaks Prost into the corner. And to make a long story short, things will never be the same for the two. Senna wins, Prost comes in P2. Their career seems to get more competitive and more crazy as time goes on. And shameless plug here, if you have not seen the Senate documentary on Netflix and you're looking for something to watch, could not recommend it more. And along with that too, tragedy has a bit of history on the circuit too, and we're talking about tragedy with relationships on the, on the grid here. And in 1979, Nelson Piquet crashed heavily during a practice session after a tire failure and misses the race due to an injury. Uh, a, a really close call in a lot of ways. I'll just say, throw a Google on it. And in 1989 at the San Marino Grand Prix, another nickname here for the track, uh, Gerhard Berger crashed his Ferrari at Tamburello after a front wing failure. And the car catches fire after heavy impact. He escapes more or less with uh, burned hands. There's also a fiery crash here with Michelle Alberto uh, at the Tamborello corner during testing. His footwork arrows at the circuit in 91, but he escapes with injury. Ricardo Patrici also had an accident at the Tamborello corner in 1992 while testing for the Williams team. And on May 1st, 1994, is a day that changed Formula One in a lot of ways forever. Uh, crashed by Ayrton Senna on the seventh lap of the San Marino Grand Prix. Took literally one of the greatest drivers all time too early from the sport. 
And again, that's back where I shameless plug that Netflix documentary, Senna. Uh, a really great insight. I'm sure people who maybe have followed him more have their own interpretations of it, but from just, I don't want to say an average Joe fan or someone that knows who Senna was, but maybe not as much, it's definitely a good stepping stone. Um, just to really know kind of the legacy that 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 he had left on the sport. And as Americans in Formula One, especially newer fans like myself, it's really hard to appreciate and comprehend the type of driver that Senna was. And the comparison, again, I use with the Lakers in particular or American relevant, relevant um, comparisons. It's a lot of ways kind of like Kobe Bryant. And, you know, you can really argue that both in their own right are goats, the greatest of all time. And the more tragic thing, despite both of them leaving this earth too early, was the fact that Senna never had the chance to actually finish what was a brilliant career. So rest in peace to Ayrton Senna and Kobe Bryant here. And unfortunately, with the passing of Senna on May 1st, 1994, it pretty much sealed the fate of the corner being run flat ever again to avoid any crashes there. And to make it even safer there at Tamborello, um, it became a left-right-left chicane instead of a flat-out left-hander to essentially slow down the cars quicker. And if that's too technical, again, just throw a Google on it. <laughs> Might be a new term here, just throw a Google on it, so. Anyways, um, Imola remains a lot as it did a few years ago. It's still got fast corners, a lot of kicks, some blind crests, can be reviewed by some as a boring race. But you know what? Last year, we saw McLaren 1-2 and a Daniel Ricciardo Shuey. So anything is possible. I don't have any race predictions. I have zero clue who's going to win. But at least I do know this circuit does have some history. And that is part of the mission of daily racing stories here. Trying to be inclusive as we can in a lot of ways, but at the same token, trying to educate and just really expand the conversation outside of a, what is a three hour race on the weekends. And with that also comes a lot of cool stories, cool people and great stuff just to talk about in life in general outside of Formula One and motorsport. So if you have any stories you wanna share, I really do encourage to try to interact, join the conversations with the DRS zone. There are a lot of Twitter spaces that we do go into more or less and just talk Formula One. It's great to have a difference of opinions and at the same time, it's great just to chat about our normal lives and everything else involved with it. Mainly being it sometimes, especially on Sundays, Formula One. Take care everybody, stay safe, and I'll leave you with this. 